On the Master Builders podcast today, we are joined by Fuad Al-Shikani. He is the Managing Director of FC International, which is a construction consulting company specializing in dispute resolution. He started his life as an architect, but really found his passion in helping others resolve disputes in the construction sector. It's hardly surprising that he's a busy man when 98% of construction projects are either over time, over budget, or both. Listen in to hear Fuad's top three tips on how to set your projects up for success and avoid ending up in dispute. Fuad, welcome along to the podcast. We are going to be talking all sorts of dispute resolution tips, tricks, and other things uh, this morning. Welcome along. Great to have you. Thank you very much, Ryan. Appreciate it. So let's have the audience get to know you a little bit better. Are you a breakfast or dinner guy? Oh, breakfast. Breakfast. Okay. And plenty of protein and veggies in there? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, holiday, would we likely find you bungee jumping or on a pool lounge sipping a cocktail? Bungee jumping. Nice. I like that. Okay. When you're uh, reading books, are you a electronic, you're like a Kindle kind of guy or do you like the physical, physical thing? Physical book. Yep. Okay. Anything you've read uh, recently that uh, we should know about? Oh, I read a lot about construction. <laughs> okay. Any it's, it's uh, the major things we I, I read about? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, any any good ones in there, or are they uh, deep technical dispute resolution and uh, construction elements? Yeah, they they mainly deep uh, dispute resolution uh, case laws and stuff like that. Okay. Okay, um, I'm glad you derive derive joy from uh, reading those. I'm not sure I would, but glad someone does. Um, cats or dogs? Dogs. Good answer. And routine wise, do you like to uh, get up early and uh, get into it, or are you a night owl? Yeah, early riser. Indeed. Alrighty, um, Fahd, we like to kick off these uh, sessions with some top three insights so that our uh, listeners can get some immediate value out of the podcast. So if we were talking about maybe avoiding dispute resolution or avoiding disputes, which is, uh, I guess, what we most want to do, what would be your uh, top three tips for our uh, construction business owners out there? Sure. Uh, so top three tips, not in any particular order. Um, number one is um, I highly recommend builders understand the contract, 100% understand what's in the contract. Uh, the second tip is um, mainly for residential builders. If you are going to sign an agreement on a project, uh, make sure you request the money is saved in a trust account so you can guarantee your money uh, in, in the event of a dispute. Uh, the third tip is um, always upskill yourself on the management and planning side. There's lots of great builders. We just need to improve the planning and management. Yeah, I think particularly that uh, that last one, we see a lot ourselves so hard. We see people that are uh, excellent craftsmen. They're very good at the skill of building, uh, but the requirement of running a business, uh, planning projects, there's a whole different set of skills. And often uh, it's done you know, a bit by the seat of the pants. And uh, if people put some more time and effort into that upfront piece around their, their projects, uh, they would run a lot lot smoother. And also it's just it is developing a different skill running a, running a business and those uh, aspects of the job but look let's uh, let's dive into to number one understanding the contract look we've uh, done some previous uh, webinars around the uh, contract and the importance of them um, but tell us a bit more from your perspective what's the really the importance of the contract and would love to hear any kind of stories you know good or bad around uh, contracts and how uh, things could have been avoided 
I work on both sides of the fence. So work for contractors and work for uh, for um, homeowners and developers. So we see how each party reacts to different things. So the, the first thing under the master builder um, contract, it's a great contract. It protects the contractor 100%. Uh, um, however, it is not balanced. So what happens usually uh, when a builder, specifically a new builder, uh, trying to get some jobs, they take the master builder and the owner try to change it to make it balanced. Two scenarios, either the builder gets scared and walks away, so therefore he loses the, the work, or he goes um, back and accepts it because he just wants, wants the job. And then when things go wrong, it goes really, really wrong. And that's not helpful. What I would say is educate yourself by either um, reading the contract and seek expert advice. There's lots of people, including myself, be more than happy to give free advice uh, about what should be included and not included. Make it balanced. So when you go to sign a contract, the owner feels, yeah, this is a balanced contract. I'm not going to be screwed, basically, if something goes wrong. So if I had, maybe if I can just uh, summarize a little bit. So your view would be that if the contract, RBC1, the master builder's contract that gets used, if that, one, if that was used uh, without any changes, then uh, typically the builder would be pretty well protected uh, in their rights based around that contract with no, no changes. Where things can get challenging is when the other party's uh, legal team gets involved. They start making changes and and affecting things. And as you as you said, talked about changing the balance of the of the contract. And if the builder was to go and accept those changes without really understanding, without getting expert advice like yourself, then they can put themselves in a really precarious position. Is that the situation? Correct. Okay. Okay. And have you got a uh, maybe an example for us of elements of the contract or areas that when you've seen the customer's legal team get involved, what they typically try to change to affect the, the balance in the contract? Yes. Um, and the very typical example is the um, a practical completion and handing over the keys to the homeowners. The massive, but uh, I can't remember the, the, the accurate wording in the contract, but Basically, it says that the builder has the right to keep holding the keys until the owner pays all the money owed to the builder. Now, what if there was a dispute around a variation? Let's say $5,000. That is not balanced, so you can't just hold the keys for the sake of a dispute around $5,000 and not let these people in their house. I was involved in a case that was very much similar uh, to this. I represented the owners and um, it was simple built, single story, uh, 200 square meter. It took them three years to get into their house. Supposed wow. to be a six months contract. It took them three years. So I managed to break through with the contractor and sit down with him and go through the issues. And unfortunately it wasn't, it was not a good builder in terms of ethically working, yes. but this is how dispute can, can happen. Right. So that's, that's a very a simple thing that needs to be balanced off. Instead of saying all money owed, when you have uh, money in the trust account, you can give the keys, you can go through the dispute resolution process and then get your money back from, from the owners. Yeah, understand. Okay, that uh, second tip you had for us, Fahad, around make sure money is placed into a trust account. Can you explain um, that for us? Yes. So one of the major issues that builders face is owners change of circumstances during construction. Lose their jobs or uh, change jobs or um, something happens and they can't pay the builder. 
or decide not to pay the bill for whatever reason. Uh, either there's a bit of a dispute between the builder and, and the owner, and sometimes owners just do some really silly things and they hold the entire payment, which is really could you know break the builder down yes. majorly. So my, my recommendation is negotiate with, with the owners to put, if not all the money, the contract value in a trust account, because sometimes it's quite difficult if they're borrow, borrowing from the bank, but at least get some confirmation uh, whether from the banks or um, put some lump of the money in the trust account where you know the money is there, you've got to deliver, and then if you deliver, there will be a mechanism of withdrawing these funds from the trust account. So your money is guaranteed, it's there, it's not going to go away. Right. At the moment, uh, we see lots of horrible stories where owners completely refuse to pay. Right. Okay. So we could do something like um, if there was stage payments in the contract, making sure that there's that next stage payment is in the trust account before we complete that stage. Uh, we receive that payment, then make sure the next stage payment is in the trust account before we start the next phase of the project, etc. And I'm Mr. Residential Builder. I've signed my contract. Who would I go to to now operate the trust account or hold the trust account? Do I go to my lawyer? Do I go to their lawyer? Would you recommend going to someone independent? Who would who is best to operate that trust account? Uh, look, it, it doesn't matter if you go to your own lawyer or to the owner's lawyer because the lawyer is, is going to have to go by by the book. Yes. Um, it goes into the trust account. The important part is the mechanism of of withdrawing the, these funds. So um, agree on a process. If it's a stage payment, you achieve, for example, um, building foundations. What are the requirements we need to prove that you've done the building foundations, passed inspection, and then you can withdraw these funds. Just want to add one point before you agree on stage payments into the trust account. It's important that the builder talk to the owners to get a letter from the bank to say the bank has agreed with the owner to give them $300,000, the contract value and they will put um, 50K at a time or whatever value in the trust account per the stage contract. And sometimes bank may not like to put those money in trust account, but at least if there's a letter from the bank, gives the builder more confidence that the money is there and he's going to be paid. Mm. But the mechanism of, of um, sending the invoices, the progress claim and the approval is very important. So at the moment, every construction contract has to be under the, the Construction Contract Act, Yes. which, again, that's something neither the uh, homeowners know what it means because there are obligations on the homeowners. And quite a lot of the new builders don't really understand the, the Construction Contract Act. So, for example, when they put an invoice, uh, there are a couple of pages from the Construction Act that needs to follow with that. They don't do it. And therefore, if there's a dispute, they can't go with their rights under the CCA. Yes. That's another part. Okay. Okay. Good uh, Good insights. Why do you think more construction companies don't do some of these things that you're, you're talking about? Is it that they're scared to have what might be seen as like challenging conversations with a, with a customer up front? They've started a relationship. They've agreed to do the build. It's all you know fun and friendly at that stage because nothing's contentious. Do you think that people just like to go, oh, it'll all be fine, rather than sitting down and literally with the customer going, let's let's agree all the things that may or may not happen. Let's understand the process here. Let's agree them up up front so that we all know where we stand. Is that how people should be approaching that that early stage engagement? Yeah, that's, that's right. It's a, it's a combination. We're focusing a lot on homeowners. 
houses rather than commercial because commercial is quite different. Uh, lots of homeowners, if they want to build or do some renovations, they're all excited. You know, they want to get a brand new house or new renovations and the, the builders understand that. So what happens, two things, either the builder doesn't really know how important it is to secure some funds from the, the trust account or from the bank. And, you know, it's all good intentions in the, in the beginning. So the builder wants the job, he wants to satisfy the, uh, the owner's expectations in the, in the beginning. But reality is when you actually start doing the work, especially with the innovations, the work always goes well beyond what was in the, in the contract. That's the nature of, of renovations. So a, it is a combination. It's so important that both parties sit down, talk about the good, but about the bad, if it happens, how we're going to deal with it. Yeah. Um, this way, the, both of them are prepared and they know what, uh, what they need to do. Mm. I think that wording you use there around, there are always changes, there are always variations as much as we've, you know, as the contractor or the construction company tried to price it accurately and with detail, you know, we can't tell what the soil is going to be when we go to dig the foundation. If we hit rocks on, under there and we, you know, without going to geotechnical maybe prior, there all, will always be variations. So talking to the customer and agreeing that when variation comes up, how are we going to handle it? Uh, it's going to make life a whole lot easier down the track, right? Yes. Uh, international statistics shows that 98% of construction projects, residential, commercial, anything, do not finish on time and within budget. Wow, 98%. 98%. That is a horrendous statistic. Yeah. It doesn't mean they end up in dispute, but sure. they do not finish on time and on budget. Right. Right. Wow. Okay. It doesn't mean they end up in dispute, but you can understand why so many do with that kind of that kind of level where as a customer, your expectation is set at the beginning that it will be on time and on budget, and then yep. 98% of the time it misses. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. There's a big misunderstanding, when mainly from developers and homeowners, when they say, oh, we've signed a lump sum contract. It's a fixed contract. There's nothing fixed. That's, that's the issue. Because um, design is not always 100% complete, it can never be 100% complete. So there's always things that um, the builder cannot foresee when they're pricing the job. There are things that the owner cannot foresee when they're designing the job, but there's always changes. Mm, interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot about from the construction company perspective, um, what guidance would you give to a, a customer heading into a new build or renovation with that understanding that you know, they almost never finish on time and on budget? What, what guidance would you give to them in terms of setting their relationship up uh, with their uh, construction company from the start? Yep. So you're talking about as a homeowner, right? Yeah. So again, understand what's in the contract because also homeowners do not understand what's in the contract understand what's in the contract, sit down with the builder, try to uh, translate the expectations, the, the intentions into that piece of paper rather than make it unbalanced to either party. So this one, the two, uh, mainly on renovations, allow 30% over budget and over time. Right, okay. Yeah, good, uh, good guidance. Like yeah, don't have expectations going to finish on that day. It's, it's always going to go over. So always plan for more. Yeah, never, never plan your renovation to be finished the week before Christmas. <laughs> I know some people, they, they were supposed, they started in August and the contract says eight weeks. So they were supposed to finish on 1st of October. As of now, they are nowhere near to be finished. Yeah, and I'm sure you've got like a, a thousand examples of similar similar timelines. Okay, Fahad, let's move to uh, your tip number three about uh, builders improving their planning and management skills. Give us some insights around that one. 
Yeah, so that's that's a big one uh, for uh, mainly residential builders. So we've got some great quality work that happens, uh, and we see that builders they jump in really well on on the job from day one, and they carry out. But uh, what happens when they still uh, start to fall behind is managing the subcontractors and resources, especially when they get towards the end, you know, the final touches, final finishes, where they've got, they want to secure other jobs or they secure other jobs, but they still not finish that first job. So this is where the real planning and skills come into place of we want to ensure that we finish this job because the moment we finish, we're going to get all our money. So no money with, uh, uh, standing. So that's important. That it doesn't come overnight. It comes with experience, but also with training. There's a lot of training out there um, to improve, you know, uh, business management, business, because uh, this is more of a business uh, skill yes. rather than on-site management. So that, that's big. We see that jobs, you know, go really well. And towards the last two weeks, the goods are, are not showing up, subcontractors are not showing up for all those tiny niggly stuff, you know, touch-ups here, put the ceiling tiles up there or the lights, simply because they've got to another job. Yeah. And then the homeowners yeah. are left with incomplete work. Yeah, we understand how that how that happens because if 98% of the jobs are either over budget or over time or both, we know that the construction companies already promised their next customer when they're going to be starting, they're running late for that job because this one's run over time. They're now pressured to move on to the next one. They don't finish what the last one is and you end up in this uh, horrible situation where you get your last customer unhappy they're potentially withholding payment. They certainly don't become a referral site for you. They're not out there telling everyone how wonderful you are. They're probably out there complaining about you. So investing some of that time, well, investing in your own skill development so you get better at planning and managing these these jobs is is essential. And then, you know, life, one, is less stressful. Two, you get happier customers who refer more people to you for more quality work. Um, and it's generally just a, a nice place to, to operate. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. And, and the best thing that they can do is just finish from that job and not have to go back to it. Yeah, oh, totally. Totally. And yeah, the thought of, uh, as I'm sure happens a lot, of doing a full day's work on a new site and then think, oh, great, I have to go back to that house at five o'clock and spend another two or three hours trying to touch stuff up. And yeah, everyone gets tired and grumpy and it just gets ugly all around. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Look, I'm, I'm really interested in the work that you do. You know, you do so much work around dispute resolution. You're often, I think, is the term you used in our discussion earlier, the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, where things haven't gone well, maybe they haven't been planned properly, contracts haven't been set up correctly. So then your skills are required to come in and help uh, resolve the, the dispute. I'd be interested to hear maybe a couple of war stories from you. Give us an example of where something can go really, really bad when things aren't done correctly at the beginning. And then maybe there are the other side of the coin, maybe where people have involved you early in the process, help things get set up right at the beginning and how smooth that can be. Can you give us a couple of examples of kind of each end of the spectrum? Yeah, one one of the jobs where uh, it was a commercial job and we got invited by the contractor to give advice. So I looked at the contract and give advice. I said, look, these are the things that are not, are not going to work for the space that you negotiate them. And it's a big job for, for that construction company. I said, there's going to be variations. There's going to be underground conditions that's going to impact your work and your cash flow. So we can help you set up the mechanism of how you're going to react to these things when they 
occur and more importantly how we can be proactive so to, to minimize those disputes. I took the advice but unfortunately didn't implement it because he didn't want to spend the money. And that's that's the problem when you price a job, you get the job and the price is very lean. Yes. Any extra fund could make or break. So we didn't get uh, the job uh, with that uh, builder. And uh, 18 months later, this things went into a complete disaster. And had we been involved during that time, probably 80% of the issues would have gone away. Right. So then what happened, we got involved 18 months later. And because it got so complex and so desperate, our fees were around five to six times higher than what they should have been if we were engaged right from the beginning. So that tells you something that this is where we are behind the construction industry, where we are behind. We need to be proactive, not reactive. Yeah. It's a, it's a long-term uh, process and long-term education for people to realize the value of that. So this is one horrible story. A good story where uh, we worked for a government department, I can't mention the names. I was personally involved right from the beginning as a design manager. And then I've worked with the legal team to set up the contract about time and variations. And this is where the whole team was working together from the government side and the designers to come up with a, with a contract that is really, really balanced. And then during the procurement process, we went through a very thorough procurement of the contractor. And then we sat down with the contractor and we negotiated every single clause of the contract. And we had to remove stuff and change stuff to make sure that both parties have their intentions are trans- translated on that piece of paper. Yes. So that job was around $230 million job. Yeah. And guess what? It finished, it was around two and a half years. It finished a month late with variations and extension of time, but there was no dispute whatsoever because all the mechanism was in place. And of course, we stayed, my business stayed involved for the entire period. But yes, so there was um, extra money that uh, the client had to pay. But if they didn't pay, there would have been disputes and the cost would be substantially more. So that, that was a brilliant uh, um, outcome and, and the value of getting the right people at the right time and uh, knowing that what you're investing up front is going to save you a lot of time and money at the end. Yeah, and maybe it's a change of mindset because we, uh, as construction company business owners, we don't think anything of architects for you know expert architectural you know fees and their advice we don't think anything of using uh, land surveyors for their expertise we don't think anything of using electrical engineers for or fire or any of these other expertise um, but maybe the one that we often leave out is the contract expertise in, in the start and yet the one that probably can have the biggest impact on a job turning out well or turning out very, very poorly can be around that contract element. So maybe if we shift our mindset into bringing experts in around the contract piece, we can uh, sleep easier at night and have uh, better outcomes on our projects. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one, one of the uh, major issues that happens throughout the construction industry, the station and commercial, is that you know both parties are excited in the beginning, they sign a contract, the contract gets put in the, in the drawer until something happens, right? My advice to everyone, if you have a contract, be contractual because it means you are being professional. Yes. Not you being adversarial, you're being professional. There's a contract for a reason. Yeah. And if you know your rights and obligations under the contract, you can still be friendly with the owner and go have a beer with them at the end of the day. 
but use your rights and obligations under the contract. It's super important. Mm. And you're just being professional. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And I guess that's where you can help organisations because there's probably lots of people are going, look, the last thing I want to do is uh, spend time trying to read clauses in a contract and understand what the impact and all the different situations would be. Same thing, just like you call in the uh, Sparky to do the electrical work, call in yourself or a contract expert for quick advice around, hey, this situation seems to be developing in the project. How should I handle this under the contract that we've we've signed? And you could you could help with that. Is that right? Yes, uh, and we've established in the last 10 years I've been in business, we've established a good clientele base, and that includes contractors and subcontractors, and these, they, they come to us before they sign a contract, say, Fuad, can you please have a quick look at this uh, subcontract agreement, should we accept it, or is there anything we need to change, I'll go through it quickly and say, look, these are the things that you must not have in your contract, and these are the things that you can negotiate for a better outcome, and mm-hmm. Uh, I would say 95% they, they go and do it and it's accepted by, by both parties. Okay, yeah. Hey, look, great uh, great guidance. All right, Fahad, look, those uh, insights have been really uh, helpful. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there in podcast land nodding their heads and going, yeah, I could do better in, in this area. So, so thanks for that. Let's finish up with uh, maybe a little bit of fun. If you could be anyone in the world for a day, you could live their life for a day, who would you be? Oh, <laughs> fish. A fish? A fish in the sea. Yeah. Yes, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the Freedom. sea. I love the ocean. Just minding my own business without being eaten by a shark or a bigger fish. <laughs> yeah, you might need to figure out where you are in the food chain in the ocean, right? That's quite a good one. And if I gave you a million dollars, you had to spend it today and you can't spend it on the business, what would you spend your million dollars on? I will spend it on helping kids that are suffering at home and they can't have good food on the table. Yeah, yeah, people in a poverty situation. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant for her. That is a brilliant thing to do. And it's one of those things that, you know, we each have the things that we're passionate about, but we don't have to wait for the for million dollars, right? A small contribution to different uh, areas can really change some people's lives. So I think that's uh, great advice uh, yet again. Hey, Fahad, that's been uh, brilliant. We've really appreciated your uh, insights. If our listeners want to get in touch with you and get some help or have even just an initial chat with you, how, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way to get in touch with me um, directly on my mobile, 021 041 or they can call our 0800 number, uh, 0800 Okay, brilliant. And we'll uh, we'll put those numbers in the uh, podcast show notes so people can uh, pick them up and access from there. Hey, once again, Fahad, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. You've been great. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Have a good okay. one. Bye-bye.